Hey, this is Laura. And Steven. And this is our podcast, Midday Musings, where we take our lunch break to talk about the things that are on our mind. Today, we are talking about libraries, the application of generative AI, and historical interest rates. Let's get into it. Hey, Steven. Hello, Laura. How are you on this fine day? Today is the best day of my life. Do you want to know why? I would love to know why. Because today... I got a library card from the local library. I did too. That's right. I did. I picked it up and now I can just get as many books as I want and you can too. It's true. I am overjoyed by the surplus of books I will be taking to my home. I gotta say, I I feel like libraries are underutilized these days. I know we can find all kinds of things online, but you can't necessarily find books and there are limits to how many audiobooks you can get in different audiobook subscriptions. That is certainly true. However, I read recently that Millennials and Gen Z are reviving the libraries. Really? Yeah. Well, here we go. We're big readers. That's that's great. We continue to keep the trends going. We're reviving libraries. We're getting people back into them. And that's good. That's good for everyone. Yeah. We killed chain restaurants and we revived libraries. You're welcome. Yeah. Thanks. You're welcome, everyone. We thank ourselves for doing such a good job of it. Yeah. No, but um, I'm actually extremely excited about having a library card because last year my book budget went out of control yeah it was a little spicy it would yeah it was it was it was some figures it was like them books and more of them books and then oh yes even more of them books yeah yeah i'm a physical book girl Mm -hmm. for the most part I'll do nonfiction on audiobooks because it's easy to follow along but i find the structure of fiction books is more difficult to do audio wise I like to do fiction in physical books. Mm. Uh, dialogue can be challenging to follow on audiobooks, and there's a sometimes unique use of form or like verse in in fiction. So I'm like, yes, books, books, books. So super excited! I picked up Yellowface by R.F. Kuang, and I am going to put on hold a couple of Eliza Clark books that I'm really looking forward to reading. So libraries, right? Amazing oh. treasure troves possibly the best public service that we have yeah it really really is it's one of the best and it should be protected it's something that we should go out of our way to make sure survives i mean we've had bookstores fall out of fashion and actually a lot of them have been uh, shut down like these big bookstore chains it's something that we need to need to preserve the ability to get books whether it's from a bookstore or from the local libraries especially local libraries because they're I, free i would point out that your information is a little old so individual bookstores are making a heavy resurgence actually it's social media and what is called book talk oh, really bringing back a great deal of interest in both libraries and independent bookstores oh, that's great so borders fell because of the great recession rip yeah barnes and nobles thriving Amazon, thriving, <laughs> and independent bookstores are now united under a an online bookseller that if you go to any indie bookstore, if you buy online, it will take you to this aggregator and you can just support local or rather independent bookstores on there instead of buying from Amazon. Hmm. So it's actually a good time for books. And because we have millennials... Millennials are big readers. Like, Mm -hmm. Harry Potter got us in. It got us in early, and the millennials I know are much more avid readers than the Gen Xers that I know, and certainly more than most boomers, Mm -hmm. although there are a lot of bookish boomers in my own my own family. Oh, yeah, that's true. Tons of bookish boomers. And Gen Z is also quite the readerly group. So I, I think it looks good 
for books in the future. Another thing that is interesting about books currently is that Reese Witherspoon set up an online publishing system, basically, that allowed her to publish, market, and retain the film rights to new authors and new works. Yes, and that, I've heard of that. Yeah, so that production line has been very successful for both the authors and her and the movie industry. I feel good about the future of art in America, so... Boo to your doomerism. <laughs> my doomerism. I shall have none of it. No, I, I'm I'm happy to hear that my uh, my understanding of it is outdated because I love books and I've all I've loved books since I was a little kid. They're the best. They are. They are. They they have stories within, within them, worlds within worlds within them. Mm-hmm. And some of my earliest friends were in books. To be honest, as a kid. Oh yeah, most of the people that I looked up to were book based. Well, that's fair. Yes. Totally fair. Like even more recently, I I picked up one of the later Chuck Palahniuk books, big fan of him, of mm-hmm. all the stuff he's done, not just Fight Club, but Invisible Monsters. I think I read Choke as well. Mm-hmm. He just does some great satire of American everything. Excited to read this new one. Oh, and I picked up a Studio Ghibli book, yeah. uh, which is, that's just, that's just fun reading for me because I get to go back and look at all the different, it goes through all the different movies from Studio Ghibli and it, it gives you an update on the characters and how they all connect. And there's a lot of uh, Studio Ghibli films I haven't watched yet. So I got a book on a bunch of movies and that was fun. You can develop a watching list from, from that book. Right? Yeah. And we can watch stuff. Oh, but yeah, books are great, and I'm glad to hear they're making a they're making a comeback. Because I was genuinely very concerned when they've been making a comeback since the '90s, Stephen. No kidding. Yeah, that's huh. what I mean when I reference Harry Potter. It seems insignificant to us having living memory only really of the post Harry Potter era, mm-hmm. but this single work introduced reading so aggressively to a whole generation that we continued to consume literature at a rate that was unseen in the last two generations. And it's not like reading has always been the dominant form of entertainment. The thing that people might be surprised to know is that even though traditional publishers are in great trouble, actual artists are producing at a rate higher than ever before. So yeah, the institutional publishing system is in trouble because it got consolidated under a bunch of corporate entities which were more interested in profit than Mm -hmm. production. That bad. However, art always survive. Yeah. Never die. Cannot. Will not. Do you think it has to do with all of the the micro influencers and, and the bloggers and the the tiny individual creators that exist on all the different social media spheres that can that can produce and market their own content? Do you think that that has a lot to do with it? Oh, 100%. And that's like a good and a bad thing in so much as if you are producing work, it is the expectation of a publishing agent that you already have an online presence. But on the other hand, you can develop your own online presence. Yeah. So even though it's a build-it-yourself sort of industry now, it does mean that you can build it yourself. And you potentially don't even have to go with the publisher. You could just keep doing it yourself whether that's advisable or not i don't know but i do just i love that these individual creators are able to to create and share and sell their books and their their music and their their film their games that they've developed online like we have all these tiny i think you would call them cottage industries um hey if it takes place in a cottage it's a cottage industry we have all of these small industries all these people working in these industries that can now just 
give you whatever they're making. The internet is beautiful for creators right now, whether it's making a video game, whether it's making a film, whether it's producing music or producing your own writing, it's it's ready for it. The internet yeah. and the people are ready for it. It's the advancement of tools, right? Yeah. Like the health of any industry is usually subject to the quality of their tools, oh, yeah. the accessibility of their tools and the effectiveness of their tools. And every single year, more tools come out for creatives. So every single year, we have more possible creatives. Right. AI is even one of these things that, though it is threatening certain aspects of the creative realm, visual creators in particular, it's also giving the tools for those who are simply in the ideation phase mm. to mock up a creation Yes, and develop that way. That's very true. AI has gotten a bit of a bad rap in some of the creative communities as something that will steal steal their jobs. I think if you think about it from the perspective of what can I use AI to help me ideate and create, use it as a creation tool versus something that will that you believe will steal your job, because it can't. It can't steal your job. It can't create the way that people create. I mean, we see these AI-generated scripts and they just don't make any sense. They just they just don't. But if you use AI tools to create to write, to help you with prompts, to maybe compare a couple different storyboards. That's something where you can get your work out quicker, better, and you just don't have to do as much of the work. You have essentially a writing assistant in the form of an, some AI tool. And that's something that I'm a huge fan of because AI is something that can help everyone. And creatives can be a little more gun shy around using AI. They tend to live more in the creative spaces than the technology space. That's not always the case, but I'd love for more creatives to use, to just really embrace using AI to maximize their earning potential, maximize their creative potential, because I think there is something that is missing there that some are using, but others could really double down on. Yeah, it, it could be your differentiating factor, potential artist. Yeah, yeah. If you're out there, if you're thinking about making something, if you are making something and you're not using AI to help you create it, you could do that. That could save you a bunch of time. Yeah. Or maybe you hate it. Who knows? Maybe you're like, no, I, I hate the, the, the quality of work that I'm getting from using AI. But I'm a big fan of early adoption, just trying things early, being the one who, who gets into these things earlier. Oh, yeah. Even if you're not an artist, maybe you're just an email pusher like the rest of us, yeah. just use AI to draft your emails. It'll save you so much time. Yeah. Like draft them and then edit them and then send them. Yeah. Or and guess what? That email that would have taken two hours, 30 minutes. Right. Beautiful. Or if you're in the job market, use AI to draft your resume. Use AI to draft a cover letter. It doesn't mean that the AI is going to write your cover letter or your resume because I've seen some AI generated resumes and they are they they're very touch. uncanny valley they're very uncanny valley and you still need to be able to guide it in the right direction they are very helpful in that arena yeah to me helpful. it's a lot like how artists use reference materials when they're making a piece of art yeah it's like okay i'm gonna have this this and this in my piece of art but i need somewhere to start from so you have the reference images that you adapt and then you create your own independent work yeah. and that's that's how i imagine ai will be most effectively used yeah, and the thing about AI is there are a lot of other applications for it too. You showed me a suite of tools, yeah. a ton of different tools from this guy on YouTube that was just running through how you can use AI to create AI-generated music videos, create mm -hmm. characters, blend them into the background of other characters, move them around, have them do different things, and then create like your own, create your own music. You can create music with AI tools. And I saw 
I saw a world where I could just take an idea, run it through like an AI tool and then tweak it, obviously make it my own, make it something that like, no, that doesn't quite work. Thank you, AI. That's, that's a good suggestion, but I want to go with this. This is the final piece and this is what makes sense. And there are just a billion different applications for it. Truly. Yeah. Truly. We are we are on the bleeding edge and I love it. I'm a futurologist for sure. And because we don't gatekeep here, if you're curious who that YouTuber is, it's Futurepedia and he produces a ton of videos on emerging AI, free and paid. Check him out. Oh yeah. Futurepedia. I've looked at a couple of his things and he just blows my mind with how much information he just gives out there for free. Tons of good info. The one thing that I've that I have seen AI not really be that good at, well, not provide like a unique value add is in doing searches. People using yes. chat GPT or AI to do searches. It's, I guess, fine. It's, it's a little bit better than using Google kind of, but is it's it? not that, it's not that different to me. It's, it's almost like, it's basically like using Google. I I would I would be surprised if it was as good as using Google since generative AI is the purpose is to kind of aggregate and smush together all of the information on the topic you're looking for which isn't necessarily valuable in research cuz mm -hmm. you probably want distinct sources that aren't smushed together that can be separated and identified and yeah. referenced. I don't know. I'm still I'm still a Google search girly. I will probably continue to use plain search until AI changes. So you believe that AI generated searches used like Google is actually worse than using Google? 100%. You know, that actually makes a lot of sense because it's giving you one response when you use AI to do a search for something, but it doesn't give you much nuance, does it? It says, here are the best things you can do in this particular scenario that you've asked about. But Google gives you a bunch of references. It gives you hundreds of pages you can look at and then pick and choose all of your references and pull something together. It just can't do the critical thinking in that search capacity the way that a human being can. Uh, that's one place where I'm like that. I don't understand why people use ChatGPT and AI to just do searches. I do it myself sometimes, but the results are, they're fine. They're fine. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I've found that to be the case too. What it is good for is if you want to make an extremely mediocre listicle, then you use it to search. Oh, yeah. If you want a lightly cannibalized SEO rich article to post on your website to drive traffic to it, then I see the value of generative AI to produce that work. But that's oh, totally. not really search, is it? No. It is great at creating extremely mid-grade content from all of the information that exists on the internet. Totally. Yeah. So like unethical pro tip, if you're trying to get website traffic or social traffic, then chat GPT. Yeah. On that note of unethical, do you remember the story about a business that was created using AI, mm. which then was told to make as much money as it could and basically just make the, propagate this business, make this business flourish and then that AI script that was used to run this business started doing unethical and potentially fairly illegal things on behalf of the creator. And it was a big problem. This AI generated business is now doing things that are illegal and unethical. And the question is, once it was found out, the question is, how do you prosecute that? Do you prosecute? The person didn't tell it to do illegal and unethical things. It just said, do what you need to to make this happen. And the AI said, I'm going to 
break the law in this case. The so, AI understood capitalism. Yeah, yeah. And was like, I will give you capitalism. <laughs> so is the is the user who created it responsible for not saying within the law, within reason, make sure you follow this code of conduct within, within the law? Is the AI responsible? If the AI, if the AI is responsible, do you prosecute the company? Do you just put that particular script in jail and say you can't use it anymore? Like when AI is accidentally committing crime, then... Who is responsible? I put the system on trial because <laughs> AI can't create anything it hasn't already seen. Mm, that's, it learned that's from the environment. So who is the real oh. criminal? Oh, I love that. I love that. A little, a little bit of a punch up because honestly, yes, yes. I mean, there are many businesses that we're aware of that have done fairly unethical things yeah. and illegal things to because they can because they can get away with it. Right? Like yeah. that's that is what AI learned from. Yeah. It was like, okay. Probably successful business models, successful companies. Learn what those companies did. Duplicate those tactics. Right. I think it's our permissiveness to corporate entities that created an AI that <laughs> performed criminal acts. But how do we prosecute a system is the, is the challenge. You can't just take down, you can't just say, hey, system, entire system, you are incorrect. I would point out that our financial laws are far less robust than our social laws. That's all. That is interesting, isn't it? <laughs> Something to chew on. I'm chewing on it Something right now. Something to chew on. I'm chewing on it. I'm chewing on it because that is Maybe a really good point. Maybe we should get a book on it. <laughs> we should get a book From on it. From the local library. Because I I believe you're probably right. I just don't, I don't have a, ton, a wealth of uh, expertise on financial laws versus the other laws, to be <laughs> honest. But I like, I like talking about it. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm not, I'm not claiming an expertise. I have a cursory understanding of many things. But I do know that our financial laws in America are less robust than, say, the financial laws in Europe. Oh, America. We got to do better. We got to do, do better. We do. But we, we're not a traditional nation in the sense that we all happen to be here and over thousands of years developed systems to live together. We're an ex-colony, so necessarily there is an extractive commercial logic to the way that we run this place. Mm -hmm. And that means that we are necessarily permissive to corporate entities, and especially so since, since the 21st century Supreme Court cases. Yeah. It is not in the national interest, is the position I've seen in the mm -hmm. 21st century, to restrict economic activity. Like the interest rates went up to 6% and everyone lost their minds. In the 80s, it was 18%. Whew, that is a spicy percentage. Yeah. It, in the early <laughs> 2000s, it was about 8 But we got so used to like the 1%, 2 3% interest rate that we're like, anything over this is an actual crime against me, the human beings living in America. Are you talking about the housing interest rates? No, I mean the raw interest rates. The raw interest rates? I mean, the housing interest rates are what I refer to in the 80s. 18%. I know that because my parents bought a house in the 80s mm -hmm. and it was between 15 and 18% on average. I don't know the raw interest rate for the Fed at that time, but the raw interest rate for the Fed right now is still historically low. Mm -hmm. We're just unused to paying for money mm. which is that's basically what an interest rate is it's the cost of borrowing money and we got really really used to an enormous amount of free money almost free money speaking of free money yes. credit card rates credit, credit card, card rates. rates when you said interest rates i said that seems really good for a credit card for, no, you meant, for a credit you meant, card yeah you meant 
just uh, the broader interest rate. But no, credit card rates, I mean, they're like 18 to 30% interest rate, which is just, poof, that is Oh, insane. yeah, that yeah, is that, is, that is nakedly predatory. Yeah. And I remember in the first two years that Obama was in office, he actually issued a number of executive orders limiting the interest rates on credit cards and limiting the amount that had to be paid as a minimum. And these were like historic, and I, I saw the impact yeah. on my own bills. But after that re-regulation, after the deregulation during the Bush industry, we also deregulated again. So if you look at your credit card statement right now, the credit card interest rate is going to be fully like 5 to 15% higher than it was mm. in 2009. Yeah, I believe it. Every time I've called and tried to increase the credit limit and lower the credit interest rate, they just kind of go... No. You can almost hear them laughing in the background. They're like, hold, please. Oh, did you hear this guy? He called and asked us to lower the interest rate and increase his credit limit. <laughs> How about I offer him a $500 credit limit increase and then try to get him another credit card? Why don't I do that? Like, he doesn't know how this game Dude, works. I would also point out that credit cards, the existence of credit cards is less than 100 years old. So it's... A, wild that it exists. Yeah. B, crazy how much we pay for it. And C, a little bananas that we as individuals have access to so much extra cash. It's a function, right, of Americanism, of a consumer economy. Some very unique cultural qualities develop out of a passion and indeed a national investment in the consumer economy. That's a fair point. That's a fair point. Yes, many fair points. <laughs> Lots of fair points. <laughs> but it is getting a little late. <laughs> it's getting a little late. We're getting a little long in the tooth. And uh, to keep with the spirit of the timing of this podcast, uh, what do you say we, we call it a day? Oh, absolutely. And I would like to remind everyone to utilize their local library. Endless free art. Like, what's bad about that? Yeah. Zero things. Go to your library. You, If you don't like getting physical books, you can get a ton of stuff. 25 items, we found out. 25 items online at once. At once. Yeah. Audiobooks, DVDs, mm -hmm. magazines, journal articles, like whatever you want. Help keep our local libraries alive and thriving because they are an essential service for they're us. They're literally the best thing we have. Like, yeah. they're the best thing america has to offer <laughs> just like a previous episode the tagline was call your mother the, the tagline on this is go to your local support your local library use them yes go to your libraries <laughs> do it tell them you love them because they would love to know well that's it dear listeners we will see you on the next episode of midday musings thanks again for your time and until next time catch you on the next lunch break see ya bye bye this has been Steven. And Laura. Thanks for tuning into Midday Musings, the podcast where we talk about all the things on our mind. Be sure to follow us on Spotify and jump into the conversation in our polls and Q&As. We would love to hear from you. Catch you next lunch break.